Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Co-Creators Show with your host Jennifer Lynch and today I have a very exciting guest, the recording artist and visionary Kalyani talking about her new music video Tears for Inanna. Now I've listened to this several times, I've found it to be extremely moving, enchanting and fascinating and there is a story behind this. So welcome, Kalyani. Good evening. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me here. Okay, that's great. Um, So obviously your other music video that you did, Namu's Invocation, that was very popular. And um, I mean, I found out that it received two two million, um, two million listens on YouTube. And so your your latest one, can you t- tell tell us a little bit about the story? Because it's got an interesting story, hasn't it? Yeah, there's so many different ways of approaching the story. Um, there's a more um, a more linear and a non-linear perspective. So I want to ask you which perspective you want to have. Like one is a more subjective spiritual journey, and the other one is more of a linear. Uh, how each step came to manifest itself, how, you know, it's it's almost like you can't really take one away from the other, but you can choose sort of a focus. But um, I'm curious okay. to see what's your perspective. <laughs> okay, let's go for the manifesting one because we're manifesting right now in this moment as people are listening to this. So um, I, I'm really into manifesting. So let's go with that, shall we? So the manifesting, um, mm. okay, you mean like the more step-by-step what happened, right? Okay, well, we could do a bit of the step-by-step that, that happened, yeah, if you're if you're happy with that. I'd love to hear hear that, yeah. No, I was just trying to understand. So let's let's go with, with, I think you meant like more of the subjective, like, right? Okay, yeah. What happened was I was, um, I was... Um, involved in um and um spirituality all my life and uh since I was a little girl and I took a hiatus during uh, my married married years and um and in that period of time I kind of felt a little bit disconnected I was so you know it was a beautiful period of grounding for me I I really got grounded and and when my marriage fell apart, I felt like this whole entire avalanche of my own soul falling back into myself and took me into this incredible journey. I remember at that period of time, I was doing this beautiful um, 
reconnecting, and I felt called to do this prayer. And it was a prayer I had heard as a child. My mother taught me to pray a lot. And even though we were not, uh, we were Christians, but we were not um, churchgoers, but we really loved uh, and believed in prayer. So I, I knew every prayer in the book, and, uh, uh, you know, I used to pray every night before sleeping. And so it, and I kind of forgot about that part of myself, in a sense. And there's a, a whole other story attached to that. But in that part of my life, <clears throat> I started uh, praying a lot, and I got this um, all of a sudden uh, receiving these visions uh, from um in dreams of this um, beautiful feminine presence, and I, <clears throat> and everything in my life started to present itself in that light. It was very interesting. People I met, books I read, and I was devouring spiritual books. It was like I, I was so uh, thirsty for my own essence, in a sense. I used to go to uh, the nearby spiritual store uh, called the uh, Bodhi Tree and bring home sometimes 20 books in a box. <laughs> and I would spend, you know, the next month just reading and reading. And whenever they were done, I would go and get more. And uh, it's almost like I, I was hungry for for reconnecting in that sense. And my life was falling apart as I knew it. So these, I started doing this prayer, and I did it for probably, I don't know, what seemed to be weeks, you know, in time. And um, I went on this journey with the Divine Feminine. And then it's almost like everything was unfolding. It was a discovery process. First, there was intense healing, healing of old wounds. And I I decided to go and complete my master's in, in spiritual psychology. I had a psychology degree. And then I got my master's in spiritual psychology. It was a beautiful healing process. And during my first year of my master's program, I had to write a living vision. And in that living vision came that I was meant, my purpose was linked to conscious media. And uh, I, within three months of writing that living vision, which is a beautiful process where you empty your mind, you go into a meditation, meditative state, and then after you do that meditation, you sit down and you write whatever comes to you in terms of where you would see yourself in the next five to ten years if there was nothing that could stand in the way of you being in your greatest joy, what would you like to be doing or creating or manifesting? <clears throat> so I wrote that living vision, and it, it surprised me because I had never contemplated consciously to work with media or films, you know. So without much more detail, I created, uh, I was guided little by little uh, in creating uh, this documentary. I was invited to do this documentary, Secrets of Love. And uh, and uh, at the end of, um, in the process of doing that, I had a dream. And in this dream, it actually wasn't a dream. I woke up in the morning and I literally the word Stargate Alliance came out of my mouth mouth and I was wondering, oh this is a beautiful couple of words. I don't know what they I, I never heard them. I, I'm not sure what they mean or why am I saying them. But I kept repeating them in the morning and trying to think, was it a dream I had? And I kept saying Stargate Alliance. <clears throat> so eventually uh it took me a few days to realize that was the name of my 
um, conscious media company that was meant to be the name of my conscious media company, which I would I was invested in creating media like documentaries or primarily with documentaries that would give us um, innovative views into the world, uh, cha- challenge uh, whatever was there that it was stagnant, review our concepts of reality in terms of psychology, spirituality, health, you know, wealth, manifesting, whatever came through, you know, and also even on a historical level, so I was always I've always been a documentary uh, appreciator, <laughs> and I I just thought you know how wonderful would it be to put more beautiful conscious content out there and bring people different concepts of reality and let them um, apologize for my phone here. <clears throat> okay. Um, <laughs> and you know just bringing more. Um, conscious ideas into the world and you know so the, the first invitation that came from the universe was to create this documentary on um on love and, and relationships as a catalyst for evolution and in all its aspects psychological physical and spiritual water uh relationships loving relationships about and it was a beautiful process and it was almost like it was my um it was my schooling, you know, and from there i i uh o- officially created uh stargate alliance as as a company and from there uh I was invited to do um another project um which was a peace platform called peace link live I was the founding executive member co executive producer and um it still exists today. We open it with a huge, um, beautiful world music concert uh, here in Los Angeles, California, and um, and it just like you know my life sort of uh, became very fluid in in that sense, and I think um, it had to do with um, you know how I I really surrender. You know, there's so many parts to it. I surrender to spirit uh in the sense that i you know i i was meditating a lot during my uh, especially my second year of usm of my um of my master's program and twice a day every day of the year <laughs> and i was working at self realization fellowship i volunteered there and um i remember uh just always surrendering my will to the divine and wanting to serve as an instrument uh, for the betterment of human humanity, and just, um, but every time I did that, there was a little part of me that was either afraid or holding back, or thought, oh, yeah, but what if I don't like what you give me, you know? And it was that kind of a mistrust in the universe uh, part of us, you know. But there mm. was one day after doing this repeatedly. Um, Almost after every meditation, I would surrender my spirit, this vessel, this body, surrender my my wants and needs to the universe and just say, use me as an instrument to your work, you know. So um, there was one day that I felt my whole entire body just completely, and there was not a single cell in me that I could feel was holding back. 
and there was a complete surrender and trust that whatever I was given, it was going to be, you know, a perfect match to my soul. It couldn't possibly be anything different than what would give me the greatest joy, and I trusted that feeling. And from that moment, I think, is when things really started to unfold so quickly. It was, I remember this momentum where it was the carpet got rolled and just, you know, I just started receiving all these invitations to do this, and I didn't even know how to do them. It was like I had no experience, which is beautiful. In the beginning, we tend to say, oh, I can't do that, you know, because I don't have experience. And, and until I woke up to the fact that this is my gift, is to be able to come to to do what I do and tell people, you don't have to necessarily have a certificate or a permission from some higher institution or anything mm-hmm. like that. If you have the love in your heart and the desire and the passion that's driving you, and this passion is connected to, especially when it's connected to benefiting a collective instead of just yourself, it becomes so magnetic, you know, because it's not just about what you want, what's going to make you this or that. It's my motivation truly came from helping the world, helping make the world a better place. And it was authentic and genuine. So I think when it comes from that, all of us will have this experience of this opening where the universe really invites you to play and the world becomes your your you know your playground in a sense and things just come to you easily with grace sometimes people go like oh my god you do so much how do you how can you I'm like i don't really do much at all it's like i'm just really lucky <laughs> it's all so wow. full of grace you know it's it seems complicated and it seems like i'm so busy and i'm doing so much oh my god how can you manifest all this it's mm-hmm. grace. It's really grace. And it can be like that for everybody. Yeah. So it's a process once you're opened up, I suppose. In a way, it's like um, a meditation in itself. And opening just allows the flow of of the good stuff to pour in. Um, it's more like a flow, flowing from one thing to another instead of having to jump through hoops once this Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just going through the path of least resistance usually is how I function. That's why people say, What are you planning next? I'm like, I don't plan. (laughs) 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 Why why would I be so silly to do that? (laughs) It's almost like uh, the next thing is already coming my way. Like sometimes I don't even have a break. It's like, Oh, yeah, I just finished this and this is already coming. (laughs) Wow. Terrific. Yeah, because it's like I've I've learned to just yeah not fret about planning because it's it's silly and and I love that I love that because you know I can do a lose lose plan or have an idea of like oh yeah, yeah I'd love to do this maybe next you know but I'm always listening in to like okay let me see where they're gonna you know direct me next because it's been a lot of fun I have like these you know <laughs> the overseeing directors <laughs> that are directing wow. me <laughs> wow terrific but I never even got to the music but you you tell me where do you want to go well what I'm gonna do now if it's um 
I'm okay with you, which I'm sure it is. I'm going to play um, Tears for Inanna and so that people can have a listen to it. And then maybe we can just go a little bit more into the singing part then um, about how that journey started up. So I'm going to leave you live and we're going to be live while I play it so that we can listen as well. I'm just going to play that now. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, 
I love the piano in it at the end there. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I'm very blessed to have an amazing composer. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Um, so singing isn't something you've always done, is it? Not at all, no. And or were really... you a child who sang, who liked to sing? Some children love to sing. Um, I think, yeah, I think we sang, um, me and my sister, we used to sing on the way to the beach, in the car, of course. Children sing. Um, but not in any uh, outstanding, specific, you know, I was the singer in the family or anything like that. I was a bigger a big performer um, as a young child. I was uh, very uh, happy. I love to entertain people, make them laugh and smile. So uh, sometimes on my birthday parties I would perform or, you know, like pretend I was singing or imitate uh, a singer or imitate birds and animals. Like I was just funny, very funny as a child, as a young kid. And I was very, um, um, how can I say, um, very creative and full of joy. Um, But I don't see any, yeah, there wasn't any particular part of my life where I thought, oh, yeah, I had a gift of singing. But, yeah, I, I... I, I love singing. You know, I grew up in Brazil, and music plays all day long. You know, people love listening to music, and and uh, it's a very happy, uh, loving, you know, culture. They're very spontaneous beings there, and um, so yeah, I grew up in an environment that had a lot of music, and I remember um, even after I came. Uh, the U.S. and uh, would go back to visit. Sometimes my family uh, would go to this uh, bowling alley together and we would play bowling and there was a a karaoke stage. And I remember singing there um, a couple of times, once with my cousin, sometimes at parties. Yeah, and uh, how we would... um, I remember a a couple of times... I sang a couple of beautiful songs, but again, it was like just it, there wasn't any particular idea around me being a singer or people saying, "Oh, you should go and sing. You have a beautiful voice." You know, like it wasn't mm-hmm. like it wasn't like that. <laughs> okay. So when did the vo- this voice come in that you you use now to sing? This voice that you're using for your beautiful songs. When did this happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's um, it's the the difficult question. It's it's um, it it came. Um, so let me um, tell you how it happened. I was um, involved in um, another project that I was developing. This project was 100% my own. I wasn't in collaboration with any other production company like I had been before or any producer. It was uh, uh, something I wanted to do, and and, uh, it was to create a documentary on the Divine Feminine, uh, on the 
evolution. Um, it would be something artistic and poetic and at the same time mystic and historical. I wanted it to encompass different um, dimensions of <clears throat> of it, of the subject. <clears throat> and I was uh, developing the idea and I was uh, doing some reading and studying a lot and Sometimes I would be up really late, like cross the night, because I felt like I was, I was about to find something very special, and I never knew exactly what it was, but it was a feeling that I was on the right track. You know, very interesting, um, and it was so um, enlivening, and it gave me so much energy and passion, and I was like um, studying the subject, and um, I came across this um, uh, interesting, uh, unique um, myth of uh, Namu, um, and, and it's the creationary myth of Sumeria. So the Sumerian civilization is one of the most ancient ones. I've always been fascinated by ancient cultures. Very, very The older, the better. <coughs> I apologize. I have a little bit of allergy going on. Um, so I was um, researching, and I found this, myth, uh, the creationary myth of Sumeria, which has been registered in some tablets that were found, archaeological tablets, it's called the Enuma Elish. And the Enuma Elish tablets, uh, the oldest one, um, the older they are, the more interesting and unique because they have depictions of our uh, solar systems in them, their reliefs, and you're talking six to 8,000 years ago. Wow. These tablets are Three to four thousand years BC, and the oldest one. So, how could anyone know what our solar systems look like? So, there is um, uh, it's kind of uh, um, one of the great mysteries, you know. Like we have the Egyptian culture, and nobody can really explain. There's a lot of attempts to explain how that was built, but when you put um, uh, true architects, scientists, they 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 just say all the theories. Mm-hmm. It's flawed. It's just yeah. to satisfy our hunger for having <laughs> a, an idea of control of, of, you know, it's humiliating for uh, the mind of the, the the mind of man to say we don't know, and it's scary. So we always invent something, some way of explaining why something exists that we can't explain, and so this is one of them. You know, these tablets are have depictions of the star systems and our solar system, actually, precisely, with all the planets in it. When we didn't even have a telescope, there was nothing, there was no idea of. So some of people say these were star beings that visited us and that we are um, a byproduct of the blending of our natural um, evolution here and uh, and their own genetic a mix. It's almost like a new race was created. The, you know, our history for a long, long time, for all that we knew, Sumeria was the birth of our civilization because that's where we find the first written materials, you know, first language. And uh, to have a creationary myth where uh, the archetypal uh, creator was a feminine uh, deity, not a a masculine one was just very uh, surprising to me and refreshing. It was it was, it was a feeling of like 
talk about something innovative, you know, to take us from a concept that for thousands of years has been all that we knew, having um, an archetypal masculine uh, god, to now contemplating that thousands of years before that, uh, from the Enuma Elish three to four thousand years before um, Christ, you know, that we had a Christianary myth where uh, there was a goddess, you know, and um, and I guess her name was Namu. And that's where Namu, and, and it was, this process just created such a fire in me. There mm. was something that I couldn't explain. There was a, um, a, a desire to, that was beyond me, to express this um, understanding and this um, knowledge faster than I could create a documentary. <laughs> and I remember that when I was co-executive producing Secrets of Love and assisting with the production, that um, 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 we had trouble licensing music. It was extremely expensive and and uh, you know romantic music from the 70s and it was costly, and I knew that music was the soul of any story you tell. It is the, it is it is where the the real, uh, where where you're being transported to this realm of of different dimensions of you know through the music you can really feel uh, different states you know so you're transported to these high states. And I knew the music had to be very important for this film. And so one night I am up late and, you know, I I was alone. And it was a time in my life where I was about to travel to India and I had to to cancel my trip. And I had prepared my life in a sense that um, it was very easy, empty. There wasn't a lot because I prepared to leave. So I had all the time in the world in those two weeks. And I thought to myself, well, now that I'm not going to India, I could focus on what I really, really want to do. It's almost like there was a warp in time, like a vacuum where I wasn't tied to anything else. Everybody thought I was going to be gone. And the trip got canceled, and I thought, how can I use this time the best way? What is in my heart to do? And so I went back to uh, working on the documentary and developing it and writing, and then I went into this um, state that, you know, um, during meditation, too, that I was supposed to create the music for it. And I thought to myself, well, it can't be because I'm not a musician and I don't sing. But he kept saying, no, it is you. And I'm like, no, it's not me. It can't be me. No, no, it's you. You know, so it was just like these interesting kind of resistance and fight inside of me while I was listening to this guidance that I was supposed to create the music for the documentary. And um, one thing led to another really quickly. You know, I was invited to attend um, a premiere of another documentary um, uh, called Three Magic Words that um, a common friend of mine, you know, just uh, was releasing. And in there on stage... Uh, when they were doing a presentation of the team who was involved, and and uh, I met my composer, and I knew instantly when I saw him that I was supposed to work with him. 
And I went to the director, who was my friend. At, at, at the end of the presentation, there was a huge line. Everybody was, and I had to leave. I, I had to go back home. And I, I gave him a card, my card, and I said, can you please give it to Ribs and, and have him call me. I have a project for him. So that's how it started. And then I met Riz, who is wow. uh, a dear, dear friend, uh, co-creator. We do different projects together. We've been involved in different projects at this time. And he is the composer uh, for my music as well. And we sit together. He's a genius musician, plays multiple instruments. And I come to him and I kind of translate what I'm hearing and he puts it into uh, instrumental and then I bring it with me and I spend time with it you know and I just listen to it and then I allow this voice to come through and it was a surprising thing for me that it was almost like um, a channeling per se you know but it was channeling of, of my own soul that was connected to this beautiful message of the sacred feminine uh, reawakening in humanity's consciousness. Mm, that's absolutely wonderful, because we have been going through the age of Pisces um, before, so we've had a lot of male archetype stuff going on, haven't we? And now we're definitely working with the divine feminine energies, and I think a lot of people. Um, women are beginning to awaken to this now, but of course we need men to awaken to it as well, don't oh, we? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yes. It's both of us, equally, yeah. It is. Yeah. It's. Um, I think um, the revolution of of the 70s and 60s and when women um, gained a little more space in society, um you know, um, we started to, um, you know, disconnect uh, to our femininity, and we had to put our pants on and our boots and go out and fit into the world, a world that was highly masculine, you know. And it's an interesting thing because masculine is a way that we found to define a certain group of qualities, you know, that were uh, being... um, uh, given preference, let's say, during the period where uh, men were more free. <laughs> you know, the most <laughs> yeah. non, uh, you know, um, dogmatic way of looking at it. So all these qualities uh, that have been of force, you know, it's electrical, it's pushy, it is... Um, the law of, uh, you know, of the, the, the fittest and the survival of the fittest. And it's about competition and conquest and dominance and power and all these things that were given, were being exalted, qualities that are being exalted in place of others, which would be, you know, uh, a softening, nurturance, love, um, um, the quality, uh, community, all these other qualities that were instead of you know, you're it's it's you against the world and you have to survive and fit in. It's more like how can we come together and help one another and uh, and live collectively 
in at peace and with more abundance and grace and and it 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 was like something that got forgotten and and so there's an aspect of us that we call the feminine <clears throat> that both men and women actually uh devalued you know it started with um the system a patriarchal system you know a lot of religious dogma and fear dominance there was a lot of confusion that was created in our heads and and uh we just uh went through the motions and um again both of us are having to find in ourselves the 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 preciousness of what we lost and what 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 we disconnected from which we were calling the sacred feminine in its highest form it is sacred uh, the feminine qualities, you know. So uh, even um, reworking, women are reworking their way towards um, relearning their femininity, re-embodying their femininity. And I think men, um, their their next step, you know. And I feel the newer generation is so much more in touch with it. The older generation. You know, I think we're just going to be replaced by the newer generation, and again and again, we're having a renaissance of that quality inside of our younger man this day, which is beautiful. Um, hopefully, you know, um, in the conscious uh, communities, even more so. But I believe that's 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 where we're meant to go, and hopefully, we'll we'll be able to integrate those two beautiful aspects eventually. I feel there are powerful aspects in the sacred masculine that we also need to, as women alone, integrate into our... that we we were not given a lot of opportunity to do. And I feel like a, a primary one is the development of courage, which is not fearlessness, but uh, the ability to not allow... All the fear that has been for thousands of years um, mm-hmm. imposed on us and used to control us in so many dimensions of our being, it's like cellular memory of this fear still keeps us small. A women have to develop their courage. And I think this is the next step for women. And that's why Inanna, this um, song, is it's such a beautiful representation of that aspect of us and that's why it fits so well into our times um she is always depicted as a um uh, she so she was a goddess you know and she she comes from the same time sumerian times that was fully aware of her feminine power and 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 she always confronted life boldly without fear and how she of how she would be perceived by others, so she was completely authentic and free. Um, it's a beautiful representation of the aspects that we're developing in us. And at the same time, she was um, uh, the most venerated goddess of all time. And um, according to some texts, she was actually the primordial goddess that gave rise to all the goddesses that came after. They just She just changed names with time. She's um, related to the Venus, to the uh, goddess Ishtar, and, you know, as time went by, she was um, 
you know, connected to uh, as it moved into Judaism, and you know, as she got absorbed, her essence, and she became. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these other goddesses, Aphrodite, uh, the Hittite Sauska, and Venus, and and it goes on and on and on and on. And she just okay. acquired different aspects. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And um, as regards the divine feminine, everything you say is, is really resonating with me. Um it's just incredible. So I think, you know, it, a lot of um, women have, like, found their strength through being in the male energy, but there is so much strength in the feminine that maybe this is a sort of like a switch over and a way of thinking about the feminine, realizing that there is strength um, and courage, like you said, in, in the feminine energy extreme courage isn't that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes we were able to exercise uh, different aspects of the same um, the same quality and I feel women have an ability to endure um, more of an inner strength an emotional strength that mm-hmm. has been overly developed it's it's a, a very very uh, powerful quality to have to have this enduring inner strength that is very very markedly present in the feminine, and um, I think uh, the masculine aspect of strength is more physical or like it, they're not afraid to hurt themselves or you know just be in the world and and try. Um, you know, great things like, um, um, you know, like let's say, it's it's not as common to find a woman uh, driving a tractor, for example. You know, that's uh, like a silly comparison, but um, in that sense, you know, they've been in the world and have been um, uh, trying those things, and uh, that part of developing our strengths is also a good way to integrate for women to be out there and we've been doing that women are going into sectors of society that have never had women before you know Mm. Um, it's very interesting um, how these roles are starting to become less defined and both men and women are exploring new uh, possibilities, and we're becoming more holographic and more expanded, which is beautiful. Instead of either one of us being given a sector uh, to operate within, we can both expand within both our multi-facets of our aspects that have been reserved to one or another and just live as a force, you know, united and mm-hmm free and and in full use of our capacities and our multidimensional aspects, uh, fully explored without restriction, without oppression, without fear, without just feeling this ultimate freedom to be all that we are and without judgment, without repression, without all these other things that are just layers and layers of, of, um, of, 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 um, oppressive energies that 
have um, limited us um, yeah. from reaching our full potential. Okay, that's really interesting. So I wanted to play uh, Namu's um, invocation now, and then I'll just come back to you um, a little bit about that one as well, if that's all right. Just all right. Play Thank you.
Okay, so that's incredible. Mm-hmm. It visualizes, for me, it brings a visualization of a whole portal opening up to some new world or something completely different. Um, I'm quite a visionary. <laughs> I, vision, I have visions of things as well. When I when I was younger, I used to think these visions are too big for me. They don't belong mm-hmm. to me. Um, but I think now we are in this uh, transitionary time, aren't we? Where anything is possible. Yes. Yes, and. I guess we're giving ourselves permission to have these visions more and more, and it's beautiful. And it has a purpose, you know. We have to trust our 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 innocence, our truly um, being that spark of of the sacred, of God, of the divine that is just here, embedded in in this dimensional reality that that is never disconnected from it. So to trust more that those visions are are beautiful or benign and they're uplifting and why shouldn't we allow ourselves to have them, you know? Mm. So where do you think you're going next? Or you said you didn't plan, so possibly (laughs) it's not the right question, is it? But well, it is fine. It is fine because the plan is always made. It doesn't mean that I planned this, but um, where I'm, uh, I'm co-creating now a documentary with Riz, who is my composer, and he's a phenomenal filmmaker as well. He is um, a, a, a passionate diver. He's been diving since he was five years old. He's multi-talented, <laughs> as you can see. And uh, since we had the um, the crisis, the coral crisis, you know, in 2016, yeah. where we lost mm-hmm. um, two-thirds of the, coral, the, the Great Barrier Reef and many other corals have been dying since 2001. We had a huge loss, and then in 2016, it, was, it just kept happening, and he's been uh, observing this. And... Um, he decided to do uh, a film that paid homage to them, but it, it turned out that um, we're giving it a new slant to it. We're actually bringing hope, and we found uh, two scientists who we're collaborating with who have committed to assisting us in making this happen and possible, who have discovered a way to reseed the corals into the ocean. And um, this movie is going to be called Oceana, and uh, I'm going to be creating music with Riz for the film. And we also have John Anderson, the lead singer of the band Yes, who has already composed wow. a phenomenal piece for the film. So the film is going to be extremely uh, cinematic. It's uh, shot in 4K, and, and it has... Um, Phenomenal music, just really outstanding um, uh, compositions that are very orchestral, and and this is um, where I am actually uh, collaborating also with being uh, a co-producer uh, with my company Stargate Alliance. And again, I was just it was just very seamless. I'm also very connect- connected to the ocean, and. Um, 
I, I believe it's an extremely important cause of our times to save our oceans. And so he thought that I um, I needed to be in this project, and I was very excited. And I said, of course, so count me in. And so we've been working on that, uh, yeah, while, you know, releasing Tears for Inanna. Uh, we're already on our way. And I got my... Um, I just got certified as a, a, uh, as, uh, uh, a diver, as, as um, they call open water diving. And we're planning on leaving uh, either, I think, April um, to go to this um, next uh, leg of the journey in the South Pacific to do a, an exploration of... Um, and filming, you know, the corals and visiting Dr. Kirby and his lab and how he's mm-hmm. been doing the receiving of the corals there. Yeah, and and just our idea is to educate the public around this, uh, involve them more, and then uh, call attention from the big organizations, environment organizations, to direct funds to these existing projects that need desperately funding so they can actually accomplish their goal to recede, you know, they could even recede potentially the barrier reef. It would take yeah. years, of course, and a lot of people involved, oh. but it's doable. Right. Okay, that's that's incredible. I mean, obviously, that's a really exciting project, and something does, you know, <laughs> whatever can be done to help these barrier reefs would be absolutely amazing because, obviously, they've been dying um, dying out for years, haven't they? And yeah. um, it got going into decline for years and years, which is very sad. Um, so obviously, this is a really exciting project, and the film as well. I mean, it's something. It's massive, isn't it? All this is massive, but it's all connected together, which um, is brilliant. Okay, okay, so. I'm actually going to just give your links here in case people want to get in touch with you. So I've got Kalyani.com, which is your website. Is there somewhere where they can um, go for the information about the the barrier reefs as well? Because that's really important, isn't it? Yes, they can go to our website. It's OceanaTheMovie.com. Uh, Oceana, um, it's like ocean with an A at the end. Uh, right. Oceanathemovie.com. There's a very uh, thorough uh, and uh, yeah uh, website on the development of the film. The trailers there. Okay. And um, yeah, it's 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 a great way to to check it out and become a member of the Ocean Society. You can just put your name and you receive, um, you know, periodic updates on the film and also periodic updates on any uh, news that we have regarding um, what's happening to our corals and positive developments and whatever is, uh, yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And thank you for being my guest, Kalyani, on the Natural Co-Creator Show. All the information is absolutely fascinating. I'm going to have a look at that website myself. 
I need to learn more about the project. And obviously, with the film coming out, do come back and be my guest again if you would like to talk about the film um, yeah. nearer the time and your discoveries while you're diving and everything that's happening here because, you know, it's it's all really, really fascinating. So thank yeah. you. I'd thank you for to. being my guest today. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was the uh, fabulous Kalyani, who um, is absolutely incredible. She's a visionary. She's a singer. Um, you know, she's a meditator. She's a spiritual lady. She's a soul coach. So many things. And she is also getting involved in this film, um, which is working working with... Um, the filmmaker um, Riz Story, um, who is a writer, director, and a producer, and is very famous. So this will be an incredible film about the great barrier reefs around the world, which sadly the corals are dying now. And if they can be um, encouraged to start growing again by whatever means then this is going to be fascinating this journey is going to be fascinating so hoping that we will uh, catch up with Kalyani um, on the progress of the film and the barrier reefs another time so thank you for listening everybody to my show today um, if you're interested in connecting to me on Facebook there is a natural co-creators community and a natural co-creators radio show page where you will see all the podcasts for my show we are also on itunes so have a look out for that okay so see you next week take care